Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My goodness. Hello. It is so good to see you. It's so nice to see you too. Thanks for having hey, me. Buddy, how are you? Hey, how are you? Oh good, man. man. Yeah, I'm doing well. I instantly miss you even more. Wow. You've got like a full, very professional setup going on. You look it's, like such a pro. Uh, it's a ruse. It's a fake tree. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're yeah. beside a palm. Yeah, it's not quite between two ferns, is it? Not quite. Yeah, not quite. super close. Yeah. <laughs> Widen out. There's another one that no one else can it's, see. Yeah. <laughs> There's a secret fern. John. Yeah. How are you, man? It's been a minute. It's been a minute for sure. Um, I don't know where to start. I'm doing very well. Yeah. 
Good. How about you? Good, good. You know, living the dream, living the the actor dream. It's like great Damn for right. a second and then like not working and then it's great again and then not working oh, yeah. again. It's just life forever <laughs> and ever. Oh, tell me about it. I was listening to um, a couple of the other, the other episodes that you did and you were talking about how, you know, most of us have to build a career up and we have our ups and downs and we have a mm-hmm. lot of challenges and we learn a lot of things along the way. And yeah, so quite frankly, uh, to echo that, I, I feel happier and healthier than I've ever been. And uh, oh, work is really good and really fulfilling and lots of fun. And yeah, just good, exactly dude. living that dream. Living that dead. dream. Yeah. yeah. You, <laughs> you know. don't look like you've aged a day, which is crazy no. to me. Too kind. And, and, and likewise. I put Vaseline on the lens before I dive in, so that helps. <laughs> on the lens. All of the, all of the features. <laughs> Are you serious? No. <laughs> I'm falling for this. I'm falling for this. Does that work? If no. it works, if only. Yeah. Forgot you were such a prankster. John, thank you so much for returning to the shadows with us today. You oh, obviously you. were such an instrumental part of the story and of the show and of why people were so enthralled with with our show from the very beginning. And uh, we wanted to just, oh, you know, bring you on and and chat a little bit today about you. And you know, it's it, you were one of our first guest stars to come on the show and our first recurring right. characters who became such a not controversial, but definitely talked about character on the show. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's one that people got excited about and then very angry at you. And, you know, <laughs> many, many, you you ran the fans through the gamut of emotions throughout the course of your time on the show and, uh, and certainly all of us as well. So thank you for right. the impact that you made. Oh, well, thank you. No, um, the, the fans are so incredible, aren't they? They, yeah. they were just so supportive. Um, from start to finish, I found, you know, there were things to talk about, of course, when it came to the casting and all of that. Um, these are beloved <laughs> we'll get, characters. We'll get into that. We'll get right? into yeah. that. Yeah. Sure. Why don't we start off with, tell us, tell everyone who you are, what got you interested in acting. Give us a little of your, you know, your your first baby steps. Give us the John Core backstory. Okay. I'll try to keep it as uh, succinct and to the point as possible. Don't We don't, <laughs> so it really um, doesn't matter. <laughs> no? Okay. Well... I started acting very young, but I don't think I realized it. My mother was very young when I was born, and we ended up moving around quite a bit, sort of West Canada, East Canada again. And I went to a bunch of different schools. You know, we there was a junior high switch as well, and a mid-grade switch, and all of these things. So I was the new kid a lot. And I very quickly realized, at least for myself, that popularity was erroneous in that just for showing up, you could be targeted just as easily as you could be somehow celebrated and embraced and accepted. But both seemed just really sort of impulsive. And and like these were big reactions from human beings that had never experienced me, you know, for mm-hmm. better or for worse. Kind of like how people reacted to, you know, my headshot when I was cast for this show. <laughs> right. Um, without, you know, knowing anything for better or for worse. So at some point you know, you start standing up for yourself with your bullies. And so you're in a lot of fights and you're not winning them all, but solving your problems that way is not cool. And I did a play of some kind just uh, at a high school assembly or probably younger than that, maybe junior high or something. And I was so terrified, you know, I'm very introverted. I'm shy right now, but I had to develop sort of extroverted skill sets as, as a defense mechanism. I, I just sort of forgot where I was and came unleashed on stage and people they stood up, they clapped, they liked me. And I thought, well, that's neat. Perhaps I can communicate and connect with people 
and either circumvent or solve problems and however you want to phrase that um, using storytelling and jokes and you know things like that and and so I ended up becoming that musical theater kid who was like Charlie and Charlie Brown, Scrooge and Scrooge and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And it was tons of fun. But I didn't really know what I was doing yet. And I hadn't, I fell in love with it later on when I started getting some parts that I really cared about, when I wasn't playing some stereotypical jock that I probably avoided in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like character acting for me, but I felt typed. And uh, I was grateful to work, but I, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was stretching. I didn't sure. feel compelled it was yeah. more like hey this is better in construction this weekend this will pay mm-hmm. the rent yeah um so yeah eventually i just fell in love with it and it it went from being something a little selfish and protective uh to becoming something far more i guess meaningful to me you know whether it's a fart joke or some social activism you can really make a difference in the world uh doing what we do even negatively you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so with that comes a lot of responsibility especially when you're given the opportunity to bring characters like this to life that are so very much alive already internationally. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't believe the, the impact, the reach this this had uh, with or without me before I had anything to do with it. Totally. I mean, we first of all, that's a, a really beautiful story. And thank you for sharing that with us. Um, oh, thank you. About how you sort of got into it because... It's supposed to be a happy story. I, it is a happy story, yeah. And I think it's interesting you touched on something where you said the initial part of it was, I think you said selfish, and I don't necessarily agree with that. I think protective, maybe, definitely. I, but I don't think learning to protect yourself, learning to communicate the way you feel best to communicate is selfish in any way. I think you did what you did best, and you used a skill set that you had to evolve into the human you are, and we're all grateful for the human you are. So yeah, maybe, oh, it's, maybe it's not as selfish as you think it is. You know what I mean? I appreciate the perspective a great deal. Yeah. I guess that's just my way of saying that in the beginning, I, I definitely did it for me. I, I yeah. wasn't. Uh, but I, yeah, and yeah. all I'm saying is it's that different I don't think now. that's necessarily mm-hmm. a bad thing. You know, I think it's a good thing to True. do it for you. Um, anyway, why don't we talk about the uh, the beginnings of, because you, I, I, again, touched on it. So just moving on from that, and we talked about this with a lot of people, but joining a show like Shadowhunters that's already been done as books mm, and it's already been right. done as a movie and everyone has a concept of who Jace, Clary, Hodge are and everyone's is a little bit different especially from book <laughs> fans because when you read a book everyone sees whoever that person is and they see them differently yeah. what was that like for you how did you feel obviously we the show went a slightly different way than the books mm-hmm. in the movie mm-hmm. well and for those who haven't read the books for those folks out there who don't know Hodge your character in the books is sort of an elderly librarian-esque professor type, which you very clearly were not, and were very quickly given a rather quippy nickname by the fandom, which I think oh we all God, found. I forgot about that. Wonderful. Yes, you were very quickly <laughs> dubbed Hot Hodge by the Shadow Fam. Um, right. And rightly so. But uh, but tell us a little bit about that and what your experience was like when you first you know got the audition and read the part and what your thoughts were and sort of that whole... Tell us a little bit about your audition process. My goodness. Well... As a fan myself of things like this, I just felt this tremendous responsibility. Um, I didn't know what I was going to come up with. I didn't know how they were going to respond to it. But I immediately just delved into the source material because I've always had at least, I think if you're going to do something new, take something in, new, in a new direction, that, that's, that's wonderful. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think you need to do it with the utmost respect for the source material. And so 
I, I looked for nuances, uh, little nods, getting ahead of myself here. But at one point, I read one line about how Hodge had a favorite blue chipped mug. And, uh, you know, nobody was really paying attention to me at the time, I don't think. Or what I'm saying was, it was, like it was on a smaller scale, but I still, I went to Twitter. Um, I, I approved it with the art department. I said, we whittled it down to three. And they asked me to pick. And I thought that was really cool. So we let the fans pick, you know? Yeah. And uh, they, they picked the one I wanted anyway, which That's was good. <laughs> it, it wasn't rigged. It wasn't rigged. Um, but it was a very cute experience. And Yeah, it's so funny you bring that that up because that's the first conversation I remember having with you. And and this is something oh, yeah? that, you know, yeah. Well, for, for someone that, you know, plays characters that are often very action-oriented, you are such a contemplative and thoughtful person and and you put so much care into all the detail of your characters and it's, it's always been one of something I've respected and and really found most fascinating about you um oh but that gosh. was something that you know I always nerd out about little character things like that and I know mm-hmm. Dom does too and I was gonna say likewise you, yeah yeah well and the fact that you came on to set and you were sitting in the hair and makeup trailer and you're like there's this mug and I read this thing and I want to put it in and I don't know who to talk to and I don't know like where should we where should I go I want to I want to make sure that this is a part of him so instantly green. I was inspired by you on you know the like the first day on set so just it's it's really amazing that you, you know, come into something and are are instantly diving into the world head first. Oh no, that's so mutual. You, I, I felt as um, the first dance. That's kind of a blur, but I sort of remember just the feeling of of the first scene I did. I think you were both in it. I, I could be I mistaken. I think it was your but... introduction. I think we were introducing you in the yeah. in the yeah. uh, training area. I just felt as if. <sighs> Waking up is not the right word, but I think like we just did a read or something, and it just—I remember feeling, "Whoa, okay, like we're coming in hot. Like <laughs> this might actually really be something." Yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and so I think that's what fired me up on the day. I mean, because of course you you go to work with the best intentions. I think of it athletically now, where you know you might not win the game, but you're you're driving into work. It's game time. Mm-hmm. You know, you're eating your Wheaties. You're trying to be sharp and. <laughs> prepared and yeah. all that good stuff assuming that's what that role calls for and that's your process you know what i mean and it's just so refreshing when you show up and the people on the team want to be there mm-hmm. and and they've done the work mm-hmm. and they're ready to work and play and they're not married to all of their ideas but they've got a ton you know yeah yeah i just I immediately i went oh i don't need to worry about any of this i just need to be really present you know we had a similar experience with you i was it 13 oh yeah uh, with the- yes, it was it, with the hand. Yeah. Um, oh, so we'll you know we'll jump back and forth to what right. we were talking about, but um, I don't know if you remember that day. And this is one of the days that I that I will treasure as a memory between you and I, because they threw that torture scene at us like right. the morning of. Do you remember when your hand was locked off and I was trying <laughs> to get information about where Valentine is and I put my thumb in your stump? Yeah. Um, and they were like, so that stump for everyone out there was literally like, was it cardboard or newspaper or something? They just wrapped up and poured blood on because we didn't have the prosthetic yet. That's so they just right. It was threw something sort of, at you. They jimmy um, it, yeah. Yeah. And this is something that was so great about working with John is that preparedness really came into fruition there where it's like, hey, we're going to throw this scene at you that you're not really supposed to do for another couple of days, but we're just here, so we're going to do it. And you're like, oh, shit. Um, okay, great. Let's just dive into that headspace. And he did. And his performance is incredible. And he he's a consistently amazing screen partner to have. So thank you for that. I, I'm speechless. I, I feel the exact same way. 
you made it. You made it so easy. I, I didn't feel curveballed. I, I don't remember uh, if anything. It was just kind of funny and exciting. Yeah, uh, those like scenes at the end were you fun. were scary, man. Yeah, I, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I, you know, I, I would see some of the episodes and I'd think, ah, uh, we got a little too adult there. They cut mm-hmm. around it a little bit, you know, a little too yeah. bloody or yeah. a little too, you know what I mean? It, it, it's just yeah. some, sometimes we got, we really, you know, we were in it. Yeah, we got we got dark in it a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Which is okay, but we still want to be entertaining. And exactly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Accessible. Uh, you know. yeah. yeah. Well, it's tricky when you're discussing this sort of subject matter. Like, we're, you know, we're talking about sort of the Shadowhunters equivalent of like hunting terrorists. Um, and it's that sort of question of like, how far are you willing to go to, you know, are you willing to murder one to save a hundred? Maybe not. Are you willing to murder one to save a thousand? I don't know. So, but, you know, and then you get in that weird sort of headspace and like, as the actors trying to portray that, we're, we're in that place. We're in that questioning department of like, what, what are you willing to do to, to do the things that you know are right overall, but you have to take steps that you know are wrong along the way and whatever. And I think there are times, yeah, where the editors went in and went, (laughs) well and to to kind of second that as well hodge is such an interesting character in regard to that because of his past he's a very loyal character but to what and to what end and it's Mm -hmm. it was so interesting watching back because we were all so you know in our own storylines in season one trying to figure out what the show was it's so interesting to watch it back and see all of the detail and all of the color that you really you brought to that storyline and that's that struggle and that sort of wanting to find a place where you were valued as as a soldier and as a fighter and where your loyalty was valued and ultimately I almost felt bad for Hodge because doors kept getting shut in his face left right and center even though he was proving his loyalty and risking life and literal limb for whoever he thought was going to be there for him on the other side precisely yeah i i remember i wanted the the, the audience to feel conflicted mm-hmm. um i i yeah. thought if they uniformly adore this guy i'm not doing my job and if they uniformly mm-hmm. loathe this guy i'm not doing my job i don't know if you want to get into the, the, his his morality right off Definitely. the jump here sure yeah, yeah let's do it but when i auditioned when i auditioned i i think i did it british to lend an erudition to try to age him up a tiny no bit. No way. And, and I was ready to get the streak in the hair, the scarring we kept. But I was, that first day on set, <laughs> they said, you're not British and you're taking your shirt off. And I was really confused. What? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, these things, these, these decisions, uh, some things were still happening on the fly, I guess. And so I had sort of a vision given the source material. But but I like you said, it was still very formative while mm-hmm. we collaboratively put those pieces together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was really interesting to see the evolution of the character. But I think so. Back to the casting for a moment. Cassandra Clare actually uh, spoke up, saying that no, he's actually closer to the real age in the book. Uh, the movie wow. sort of took this Alfredy spin. Yeah, and I liked I, I loved it actually. But I think I was tasked with being. You know when your older brother or sister or just somebody babysits you and they're not mm-hmm. they're old enough to not quite be a peer for a stage, but they're not parent level or yeah, guardian level. If this makes mm-hmm. any sense, it's a really clear No, it makes way. perfect sense. No, it really it. does. I know exactly yeah. what you're saying. 
Right. So when when the kids, so to speak, were younger, I mean, he fell in love with them. Uh, he, he would never, ever want to hurt those kids. Mm-hmm. Um, as they age, they become his peers, and some of them even, in many ways, his superior. And so I think I had this idea in my head that he was a little older, too. So the breakdown said no beards at all. The show will have no beards. And I broke that rule. And that probably worked in my favor a little bit. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't think I ever thought I was going to get it. But I, I, I just thought it was the, the coolest audition I'd seen in a long time. And uh, so I was going to have fun doing it, you know. And then what we end up seeing on screen is this puzzle, some of the stuff that I brought. And mm-hmm. yeah. at the end of the day, you're, in my mind anyway, you're a tradesman. So it's not about me showing up and going, I want to put this window in your house. If you go, not my style put this one in, then it's my job to do that as best I can. You know what That's I mean? It's a really interesting allegory. I've never really heard it described that way, but yeah. you're right. There is definitely an element of that. You know, you come in and you have to match thematically what the idea is, especially early, especially in the audition process. You know, if you come in and go, no, I'm doing this, they're going to go, okay, yeah. well, that's not what we asked for. So see, yeah. like that right. wasn't the job we hired you to do. You won't work for long, <laughs> you know, if yeah. you're too difficult. And yeah. you know, if you, I have a better idea. Uh, yeah. All of the yeah. time. <laughs> so interesting. But yeah. it was yeah. very apparent from from the rewatch that you were having so much fun with this character. And we got to yeah. see, you know, from Hodge coming in with all the you were one of the first people that got to use our boards and use the the little Shadow Hunter mm-hmm. computer information systems, go, these warlocks <laughs> and this information and this is the mission you have to go on. And there's there's so much we talk a lot about this early on in the rewatches, but each of us got to establish different parts of the world. You know, Harry got to establish the warlocks. Dom and I and, and Emerald and Matt got to establish the shadow hunters, you know, and you got to establish so much with like the circle rune and our screens. And you got, you were one of the first of the quote unquote grownups of the shadow hunters to come in and set the tone of what the world was that this new generation is coming into. And, you know, so we owe a lot of, of the richness of that world to those ideas that you brought and to the kind of window that you had ideas about putting in our house. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You were too kind, too kind. No, walked onto that set and it just looked so good and felt so good. Those costumes, how fun was that? Costumes were great. Uh, We were ninja pirates. Yeah. It was awesome. (laughs) Hey, my name is Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery. 
But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. You had a background in martial arts pre the show, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, tell us a little about that, because obviously that benefited you and ended up benefiting me massively as well. Like having a yeah. good dance partner at the end is, a, is so much fun. hugely helpful. Um, yeah, but tell us a likewise. little bit about, first of all, how you got into martial arts and then how that influenced your Shadowhunters career. I've, I've been studying martial arts and many uh, for far longer than I've been acting. I, I think that was maybe one of my first loves and first defense mechanisms, you know, before I found acting or guitar or writing or things like that. It, it was my antidepressant, my anti-drug. It, it was just, I very early on recognized that, oh, if I break a sweat, I feel better. And mm -hmm. if I feel better, I think smarter. And mm -hmm. I, I mean, I'm dumbing it down for myself here, but I think more better. Uh, I think more better. Do better. Yeah. Do better. Wow, I couldn't even get there. <laughs> so hard. And so, you know, growing up, of course, I, I just idolized guys like Bruce Lee and Muhammad Ali, who, you know, they had avant-garde um, social justice ideas. Uh, and, and uh, you know, they just did so much in their lives with and without the martial arts, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just drawn to a lot of these guys who, what I, the, the main takeaway for me was process that like learning a backflip. Uh, reinforced everything that you learn. You learn to ride your bike, I guess, um, which is, you know, you fall down and you can get up and do better and eventually succeed. And I think it's a very valuable lesson that um, for me, uh, reinforcing that constantly is is really healthy. And then I also found it to be meditation in motion because, you know, being upside down, if you're doing something acrobatic is really, to me, you know, it's scary. It's hard work. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I can't think, I'm not worried about getting the job or not when I'm worried about landing on my feet. Right. Um, <laughs> 
And so as a young person, especially in, in going through you know that pubescent formative period or even in college when you're you're just finding yourself you're individuating and all of that i don't know i just found it was sort of a compass that kept pulling me back and uh shadow hunters actually um i hadn't been doing as much as uh, for, for a little while and as soon as i got the part i got really serious just in my spare time in case we got to use any of it mm-hmm. and so it was something that it was a gift, actually, because even you know after after my time on the show, I kept up, um, and that has led to you know the work I'm doing now. Yeah, on uh, on the Flash, flying around and fighting, fighting people, and yeah. And what a small world, you know. It's it was it's yeah. so funny to yeah. What a small world to sort of end up full circle. In, my hero sister. Yeah. In, sister, in the yeah. same same superhero world, still on opposite sides of well, sort of. I don't know both of our characters in that world are a bit on the fence of of good and evil, but that makes yeah. it fun. In the writer's hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every script I get, do I yeah. die? Am I yeah. good or evil? Or you yeah. know <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no idea. Skip to the end, let's figure it out. Um yeah. so I don't know if that answered uh, your question or not. It did. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah. And I'm glad you're keeping it up because you you I mean you, Thank you came into the show. I think the first thing we see of Hodge is you're training with the young lady in the training center and yeah, beat her yeah. sort of in semi-spectacular fashion. And then we come in, <laughs> break the reverie. But then there are sort of three like very spectacular Hodge fights, especially in season or, th- or throughout season one. Mm-hmm. There's that one. There's the one with the Forsaken, which we'll yeah. talk about. It's a ton of fun. Where you do this, this like round off flip, but on the stick, which is <laughs> just incredible, like an incredible thing to have. <laughs> I feel oh, like I remember kind, asking you. someone, did John do that? And they were like, yeah, John did that. I was like, wow, that's, <laughs> that's some pretty yeah. gnarly stuff. And then we had the fight at the end as well, which we'll, again, we'll get into. Um, oh but it's cool, God, you know, right. so much fun. In I mean, freezing ass cold on, in a skate park all made out of concrete. So they're like, just don't fall down. It doesn't get any more legitimate than that, though, does it? No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that was, again, like, it's a good, it's, you know, we've talked about this quite a bit over the course of the show obviously being so stunts heavy and it uh, such a huge part of it is having someone that you trust having someone that you, you you know a dance partner that you you trust is coming at this from a smart measured uh, i guess attack point because anything less than that is dangerous and you don't want to be working in a dangerous place and i felt safe with you i really did likewise yeah um i certainly have not felt safe working with a lot of different people. Really, um, I eh? couldn't. I couldn't agree more. Wow. Saying, oh yeah, I've been injured through, uh, for lack of a better word, ignorance. I guess you know. Yeah, there's yeah, almost no is. excuse yeah. for the the accident happening, other than somebody thinking they had a better idea, didn't run that's it. Exactly it, the issue. Yeah, that Ooh. sort of improving is not. Yeah, you can't. There's no, no. there's no room for it in this in this world. You know, it's like improving in a fight stops it being a fight scene, and it's a fight. Then, if you don't know what's coming, it's a fight. You're in a fight, yeah. and it's impossible to deal with. Right. Um. To to me, you're playing a song together, and if you both, like, first of all, you both have to be able to play that song really well. But then yeah. you have to kind of you have to try to stay in the same time with one another. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. if either one of us just speeds it up or slows it down we might make a mess here if that makes mm-hmm. any sense and so of course i, I yeah. think it's worth being 
I mean, of course, be alive and be well trained, and and you know, there's some flexibility. But I, I really think when it comes to stunts, that you almost have to be over practical I to keep everybody agree. safe. Second nature and, has to be yeah. like something you're not even thinking about. Like yeah. I need to think about the performance. The rest of it, what my hands, my arms, and my face, and my head, and my legs are doing, my mm. body needs to do that. It needs to do that on its own. And then I'm aware of like, and then I guess it helps me too. Like if it's if it's sort of it's almost like doing an accent. Like if you if you're physically feeling like these are the motions that we're doing and this is what we're playing here, then as soon as something changes, your body tells you something's wrong. And I don't know what mm-hmm. it is, but like an arm's out of place or a foot's out of place or something's coming at me from the wrong angle or whatever. And you just you sort of see it and you're like, oh, it's alien. All of a sudden, something <laughs> yeah. needs to stop. Like it's something's yeah. off. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's that's something, you know, we talk about how fun stunts are and how much we love fighting and doing all this stuff all the time. But it it we were able to have fun on a show like Shadowhunters because of the trust and the practice mm-hmm. that all of us had and because we all took the safety aspect of it so seriously. And it's, you know, in the true fashion of don't try this at home, kids. You know, it's very much it takes a lot of work and and that's something that, you know, in both you two I I have massive respect for. Well, I was going to say to your credit, and and I'm fairly certain most, if not all, of the cast, you all just went gung ho with training. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. And I thought that was so cool. I mean, in a post Marvel world, now we see more of it. Mm-hmm. But even at that time, it was a little more uncommon and more transformative. I mean, you transformed your bodies. <laughs> it was wild. It was, it was wild, wild to see yeah. so much growth. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. All that growth off screen translates to, you know, it enriched the character's growth on screen. Mm. You know, it was just remarkable to see them all grow up together and kick more ass. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and also, you know, speaking of transformation, your character went through quite a transformation on the show. You right. start off as this sort of older brother, teacher, caretaker, as it were. And by the end, you're arguably one of the biggest villains of season one. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe a morally like a questionable pivotal, character. A pivotal role for sure. I don't know if I'd yeah. say villain. I because And I, the reason I'll say that is because I'm in the scene with you in season two. I'm in the scene yeah. with you where we have parallel cells. And I remember... I loved it. Coming, it was such a good scene. And, it, mm-hmm. the, and the reason why I liked it so much is I came into it with my sort of motivation being fuck this guy, fuck this guy. Like he betrayed us all. He's led to so many issues. Fuck this guy. And then the performance, the conversation that we had with each other really mellowed me as Jace. Like it mellowed and I ended up sympathizing. Like that's how that scene ends is with like, (sighs) maybe he's right. Like maybe he did get a, a bad rap with this and would I have made those choices? Probably not. But can I blame him for making them? I don't know. I don't know if I can. Um, and I think that's in my head, and I think I've said this before on this show, that's what makes a good like villain, or not even villain in this case. Like th- That's what makes a good sort of antithesis is someone you can kind of get behind their ideology. You know right. what I mean? Someone who you're like, I kind of get it. Like I kind of get like Thanos is a great example. Like yeah. he wanted to do genocide. That's a horrible idea. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to do it to preserve life. Right. So he's, yeah. is he a bad guy? Because his motivations, I mean, he's obviously a bad guy. He wants to do a genesis. Like it's a genesis, yeah. <laughs> a genocide. He, it's a horrendous thing to, to contemplate, but his motivations in his head are positive. Mm-hmm. So there mm-hmm. has to be a world in which you're like, 
I get what you're trying to do, but not this way. This isn't how it happens, you know? And that's yeah. that that was a, a cool thing for me to experience with you for sure. Yeah, I, I just thought that was probably, I mean, it's the crux of the character. It's the most interesting part of the character for me is that, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've played a lot of uh, unsavory characters yourself. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's not our job to agree with what's on the page, with what they do. But it is our job to try to compassionately empathize with their motivations, to to figure out what those yeah. are, whether yeah. we agree with them or not. I did ten murders to feed my son. Okay, well let's let's whether I agree or not, let's examine this. Yeah, right. And so Hodge was tons of fun in that way. There was there was lots of double speak, but at the same time, so much sincerity. Um, mm-hmm. I do believe that he thought he could get away with taking control of his own circumstances. He felt disproportionately punished post-Circle Uprising and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I think he believed in it for a time. And at some point, enough just seemed like enough. He, he saw other people being free or being pardoned. You know, he, at some point, he just, I think, felt like he got a really short end of the stick. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you know, maybe... He'd have to sacrifice a lot of different things, but I don't think he ever meant to sacrifice any people. And of course, we could argue, like, duh, what did you think was going to happen? Um, right. But when you're in yeah. it, you're in it. Yeah. yeah. And he didn't, he doesn't pull any triggers. Like, he's not that guy. He hands the gun off, but he doesn't pull mm-hmm. any triggers necessarily. Um, and like you say, you know, it's, it's, it is about empathizing. It is about understanding these people. That's Whether we agree with them or yeah. not, like we yeah. have to, I have to understand who they are. Otherwise, I'm just saying words loud. That's, that's yeah. what I'm yeah. doing. Otherwise, you know, like yeah. I have to get it to a certain extent. Whether I agree with it or not, for whatever whatever it is, there has to be a world in which I get it. I get this choice. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. if there's anything we've learned over over the years, at least especially the last couple of years, and as our world has become arguably more divisive than ever. It's it's all about listening and understanding and trying to go, okay, I don't agree with your perspective, but why do you feel this way? And let me try and understand it so that we can solve it. And that's sort of how mm. you how you have to approach characters like that is go, okay, Absolutely. I don't I don't agree. This isn't right necessarily, but but you have a reason and what is it? And let's figure right. it out. And that's kind of the most fascinating part. And there's a reason we tell stories about good people and bad people and people in between, because we're all human. And we That's can right. all, you know, connect and relate in some way, form or fashion. Oh, yes. We have firsts and seconds and thirds and states and phases. And it baffles me sometimes when somebody talks about somebody they haven't seen for 20 years as if they still know that person today. You know, yeah. so-and-so might be, man, they might have leveled up. They, they, They're a they different might have taken a lot of accountability. They might have leveled down. It that too. Yeah, that's true. You're a different human being. Like <laughs> yeah. 20 years ago, whether you went up, down, nobody stayed the same for 20 years. That's, that's, a, right. that's my genuine opinion. You did not, even if you felt like you did, you had mm-hmm. 20 years worth of experiences. Even if you mm-hmm. stayed in your house, you had 20 winters and 20 summers and you experienced them 20 different ways. You know what yeah. I mean? You had, that's the experience of inexperience even. It's, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that has changed you in a way as well. Like every, yeah. every day we're evolving and we're moving and, and you can't be the same person. And that I think is what makes interesting characters too, is if the, if you sort of develop this understanding and I'm still working on it for sure. Aren't we all? You develop yeah. This under- yeah. Right. Like as soon yeah. as you've stopped learning, then why are you still doing it? But it's, it's that, it's that question of like, well, the scene I just did happened three days ago. So what happened to me in those three days? 
I didn't spend three days walking from there to here. And if I did, mm-hmm. what happened in that walk? Like there was, mm-hmm. there's, uh, there's three days, there's 72 hours of time that stuff happened to me. Mm-hmm. What was it? How do we, how do we develop this into a, into a thing? I knew this was going to happen when we got you on. I knew we were going to get into a much more existential, like acting theory. <laughs> do we do chat. this? Is this what <laughs> we do? Yeah. <laughs> I knew that this is what was going to happen for sure. Oh, yeah. I was like, I looked at the brief briefly and I was like, there's no way we're yeah, no. getting to any no. of that. I was concerned. I digress a lot. No, it's great. You're no, both so easy to talk to. It, That's this what's is, wonderful. This about is the you. point of this. This yeah. is the whole point of this podcast. And everyone has a different perspective. Everyone has a different idea. Mm. So talking to you about acting and talking to Alberto about acting, who also went, we went very deep into theory, but it's awesome. two completely different perspectives from two yeah. different worlds. So it's a, these are new conversations that not only we get to have, but we get to share with people. We get right. to mm-hmm. tell people our experiences. You know, a lot of people when we do these conventions and stuff, I'll get the question probably once at least per convention. I want to be an actor. Do you have any advice? Mm, mm-hmm. I say, yeah, I do. I, I have a whole shit ton of advice, <laughs> but my advice is going to be different from Kat's. Who's going to be mm-hmm. different from John's different right. from Matt's different from Alberto's. My number one piece of advice, honestly, talk to as many different actors as you can and yep. take little bits that you like from every single one of them. Because that's what I did. That's what well, I did growing up. Every actor I worked with, even if it was, I took something that like, I hate that. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever want to do that because it's for whatever reason, you know, but it's now it's in my backpack. I'm like, yeah. I don't want to be that. I don't ever want to do that. Or yeah. something where I'm like, that's incredible. I'm having that. That's now going in my <laughs> little thing. Something as simple as like one of my very early jobs, there was a guy who made a point of learning everyone's name day one. He went around and made a point. So like at lunch, he went around and like solidified everyone's name. And I'm like, that's not only, I mean, it's just a normal, like that's how you should be at work. Just as a respect thing to know everybody's name. But there's 200 people on set, which is tricky. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. he spent those first couple of days like making sure it was done. And it made everyone feel like special and made everyone feel seen. And it's a really important thing to do. And I was like, that's lovely. And it's made me really like you and I'm having it. I'm going to make sure that that's something I do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, especially when we're fortunate enough to be in lead positions, but, but in general, I do believe that no matter what your process is, it's part part of the job is being pleasant with, Mm -hmm. with other people. And Mm -hmm. if you can do anything that brightens someone's day in a way that is constructive, it's not necessarily, you know, okay, captain love and sunshine. We have work to do. Right, right, right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Time and place, buddy. Let's do it quick. Yeah. 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 Can you not drop a line today? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's my camera up on this show I just finished, Partner Track. Uh, coming yeah, summer congrats. to Netflix. Congratulations. Hey, I don't know. They, don't, they haven't told me when it's coming out. Um, but he, I developed a very good relationship with uh, camera up. Well, lots of people, but camera up. Patrick. And we would have that conversation all of the time where he'd be like, hey, man, how's it going? He'd be like, yeah, good, dude. Good, good, good. Are you going to step on your fucking mark today? And I'm like, I'm going to try. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, do yeah. my best. <laughs> There's a guy there, Mark, who's like, I'm sick of him stepping on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? seriously. Yeah. Mark's like, could you not step on me today? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So literal. But- you know, it's 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 really amazing when you get to to work on a project because we've all worked on so many different projects over the years and so many different things and met a ton of groups of people. But at least for me, Shadowhunters will always be special because mm. of the people. And and as you say, mm-hmm. so much of it is being pleasant and being personable and getting to know folks. And we say that, but it's not always the case, and it's not always as warm and as as 
familial feeling as shadow hunters. And, and, you know, that's something that, that I think each of us could, has, has taken with us and really appreciated, but it's, it, it's really wonderful when you can walk onto a set and go, Oh, these people are excited to be here. They're excited for what the story that we're going to tell. They're wonderful people and also incredible artists. And that's, you know, that's shadow hunters. And then you bring the fandom in and it just becomes a, a dream. Absolutely. Hey, my name is Jay Shetty and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... Actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily. As I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she as my father believed, a witch. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. 
the First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about Indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let me ask you a question, John. Do you think, because I have a, I have sort of a, a loose-ish theory about how this happened with sort of the closeness and the niceties on set and whatever. Have you found that more in Canada than anywhere else? Mm. Not really. Interesting. Well, I, I did a British TV show for a while and mm-hmm. uh, we were really, really tight. It was a, it was a location shoot in South Africa. and But those things don't... Well, so South Africa, I felt it as well. Yeah, did South Africa is mm, great really as well. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. I love it's, it. That's it's what I mean. It's not necessarily the actors okay. or the the first team, as they call it. Although, obviously, if the first team's shitty, then it tends to roll downhill. Um, yeah, yeah. But a lot of the crew, crew. It, it was yeah. very helpful. And I found South African crew, too, to be... And I've never really worked with crew that I found negative at any yeah. point. But I've definitely had more experiences where i'm like wow this is really like exceptionally pleasant and canada was one of those oh i'm so glad yeah it it definitely doesn't happen for me that on every job we just hang out or Mm -hmm. or, you know we're adults now people are married with children or Mm -hmm. or this or that i mean we we don't sometimes we're there work and you know if if there's some kind of a bond that forms organically great um but if not that's that's fine too Mm mm-hmm and Shadowhunters was just this immediate gel. I, I, I don't know what the secret ingredient was, but a lot of us, I think, were... Uh, it's starting to... I'm starting to question whether or not they put some shit in the water. Like, if they... <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it was... We were all dosed with something when we walked on, and that's just why everyone just got on so well. In the studio. Yeah. That was the white dust that fell down sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's the magic pixie dust. <laughs> They're misting holy water. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Don't tell the vampires. Um, no, but but you know, John, you yourself are such a creative and and such a an artist in so many ways. You know, and I think that's a lot of it. We're all storytellers, and we're all here to do different things. But it's it, we get these briefs every time we do one of these, and we always learn something about these people that we we've known, like yourself, for so many years. I had no idea you were a novelist as well. Oh, so so tell us a little bit. You, tell you, us about this. Yeah, yeah tell I us about this, this novel also. that you drafted and and your writing as well, and sort of that aspect. I was convinced that as soon as I published the novel, I would I would die by by some inverse miracle. I, the the <laughs> novel was sort of this tether. I think I finished the first draft when I was nineteen, it, and wow, it, again wow. it was something that was very. I needed something that nobody could give to me or take away. And mm-hmm. uh, writing became my ch- choice medium. And for example, when I started acting, I realized, okay, we answer to directors and producers and writers and even our colleagues as we collaborate. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it was a medium in which I was more than happy to relinquish control. Um, but when it came to my writing, there was a part of me that went, no, this is, I mean, I, of course you work with editors and, you know, mm-hmm. all of that. You, you can't be an uh, egoist in an echo chamber, of course, and expect to 
be taken. I, I wouldn't like that guy. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, and, and so I think I was a little precious about it f- for a time. And I, I, it was just something that I just kept working on and kept working on. But as you grow, your voice grows. And then the novel grows. And uh, I've done a lot since. and I've, I've published short stories and things like that. Um, but as you know, acting is so full-time, especially when you're trying to get something going. Yeah, right at the beginning, for sure. Yeah, and so I've done all kinds of different uh, jobs uh, in, in my life. But writing, I think, fiction and non is, is probably what I'm best at. And it's something that I'd like to do um, professionally and not not simply for the sake of it, you know, not to be another guy with a book. But it's, it's yeah, yeah. really special to me. And uh, I'm really excited to share that with the world. And, and yeah, that's so exciting. The, the short stories as well. And is there is there anything we can find now? I would love to pick one up. Yeah, uh, there is actually. I mean, if the the, the easiest way and and uh, totally free, if you just if you go to my Instagram and you go to my writing highlights, I'm fairly mm-hmm. certain you can swipe up and go to a link. Okay. Fair warning: it's not very PG thirteen most of the time. Uh, <laughs> a lot of these were written when I was a little younger, but. So those are republished there. Um, those oh, are all right. published pieces. Um, if you're cool. interested, I'd be honored. Um, I'm very interested yeah. to see what I, you I, think. Yeah. Just taking a note. I'm going to do it as soon as we're done today. Um, oh man, thank you. Well, speaking of the writing, is there what else is in your future? What do you do? You have jobs that you're still working on. Is there anything you want to be working on? What would what's like Oof. John Core's dream next? year five years wow. yeah six next, months the next next for, tomorrow in, in who knows? writing terminologies what's the next chapter for john core Ooh, wow well it's all to be continued isn't it i mean um not yeah. unlike yourselves uh i think we we people like us tend to have a lot of different things going on or or at mm-hmm. least being cooked up and so I, I was definitely very focused on working on the flash and putting myself through some rigorous training and things like that but now that we're on hiatus, I've segued. Uh, I'm actually voicing an audio book. It's not something that I wrote, um, but I'm playing Amazing. a character. In, cool. In sci-fi right now, which is tons of fun. Cool. That's yeah. fun. Audio books uh, are so fun. Right? What is, yeah. what is the book? Uh, it's called Affinity, and it's actually based on um, a tabletop game that just came out. Oh, cool. Amazing. A good, a good uh, steampunky multiple timeline. Cool. Uh, yeah, so I play the same yeah. guy in three different timelines, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited for you guys to see it. The the art sounds That's great. Yeah, can you tell us about that character? That sounds amazing. Or, uh, or are you not allowed to say? I don't want to get you in trouble. Oh, that's a really good question. <laughs> I don't actually know. Okay. We, and uh, let's err on the side of safety yeah. and not say Yeah, thank you. Just no, in case. I'm, yeah, I'm doing that's, a read that's tonight. That's very smart. So I'm, okay. I'm such a huge I'll get back to you with that one. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> please so do. You can tell us after because I... I'm a huge. I just recently started playing D and D for the first time, and so much I'm fun. Obsessed. It's so um, much fun. So yeah. anything in those worlds now, I'm just fascinated by. There's it's a whole mm. it's a whole new world of character building that I you know the <laughs> the actor who loves creating characters in me is like wait I can do right? this in my spare time as well. This is awesome. <sighs> so much fun. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, where's this been all my life? I don't know how to exactly. do it alone. I don't know right. how to do the math. Yeah, you, you know, but yeah, I, I, I like ideas. And voices, yeah, and yeah. And, and, and rolling dice, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Me like, too. Oh, I can make a whole person with powers and do stuff. Yeah, let's let's go into a new world. Yeah, yeah, that's super awesome. fun. Well, congrats, that's so amazing. Oh, that's thanks. Really cool. Yeah. Okay, two two part question: If you could come back and do another season of the show, let's forget that that last scene with Hodge happened. 
um, and you could come back and, and do another season of the show, what do you think he would do? Where do you think he would go? Yeah, what, speaking of, what, what has happened to Hodge, do you think? If, you know, that last scene aside, what would have happened? That's a really good question. Would he still be imprisoned? Well, so let's say, let's toy with the idea a little. So let's say that instead yeah. of that scene ending the way it did, yeah. let's say mm-hmm. Jace broke you out and just mm. said, go away. You, you go do your Hodge thing. Have your freedom. Then what happens? Then what's Make the next step life. from there? Right. Man, I would assume he would respect and appreciate that, given what an enormous... <laughs> You'd hope so, for sure. Yeah. that is, yeah. I'd expect like at least you a know? muffin basket or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah like, all right, I live in New Zealand now, that's cool. That's, uh, thank you. <laughs> There's like a, a New right. Zealand institute that pops up, and we're like, wait, what is this? We've never seen great. this on the map before. There's like an Antarctica institute, and Hodge yeah. is just in an igloo <laughs> with He's, the penguins. He's working closely with Elon Musk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always alone. I'll go first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First shadow hunter in space. Yeah, exactly. International Space Station Shadow Hunter. Hodge Moon Shadow Hunters. <laughs> yeah. If that's not a spin-off, I don't know what is. That's if we don't have Moon right? Shadow Hunters by 2025, someone's really dropped the ball. <laughs> it's true. It's like the Martian meets Shadow Hunters. Let's yeah. go. Oof. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've talked a lot about the fandom and about all of these interactions that we've had. Do you have a favorite fan interaction over the years or or something that someone said or some a message you've received or any kind of anything like that um several i mean it's 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 very hard to choose a single one i mean yeah. uh, there was one woman on youtube who made a song that was really good and really funny about no my way. casting i had never experienced anything no like way. that before yeah i it was lovely very heartwarming very accepting very complimentary um but fast forward doing a convention in london without you guys Felt yeah, where so was my strange. Invite to I was, that? What happened there? Where yeah. was my invite? I'm I in thought, London. I thought it was your like thing. Eight minutes away from me. I just <laughs> thought, oh, they're all busy, I guess. So I'm getting on this plane. Like, Why am I here? What am I? <laughs> if they're not here, what am I doing? Um, but I'm so glad I went. Uh, the fans were just incredible. And for example, the, there was there was this one woman who was weeping in my arms. She was shaking, and uh, I think someone called out. They were kind of teasing, like something about her being a super fan and and I just sort of made this cut it out gesture because she was she had just finished telling me that she got out of hospital like just days before and she had thought she was going to be dead instead of at this thing that she had tickets for and she just broke down sharing it and it was it, it was powerful and it you know came out of nowhere and it's experiences like that that you walk away with that that people have they share so much of themselves. Sometimes they give you so much. Yeah, yeah it has a real impact. I, I sure. honestly, I'm. It's this is not. I'm not trying to be trendy or cheesy, or uh, I'm not. A, I'm not appealing to anything or anyone. I, I genuinely walk away from these things blown away, and I feel so humbled. You, you know, we can be so hard on ourselves as well sometimes, mm-hmm. and full of yeah. fear and doubt and confusion and regret or, or all kinds of emotions that require life skills to conceptualize and deal with on a regular basis. I just always feel like it, whether it's a little or a lot, those experiences make me a better person and and um, a better actor as well, um, I think. Yeah, you guys were missed. We had tons of fun, but you were missed. <laughs> Next time. Yeah, absolutely. But that's that's something I always love about the Shadow Fam, and you hit the nail on the head with that, is that 
it is so humbling and it really does remind you yes we play these you know superheroes or supernatural creatures on screen but everything they go through is so human and that's that's what people connect with and then we mm-hmm. get to go and we get to meet these people and spend time and hear their stories yeah. and feel that love and that's 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 why i think all of us keep going back to the shadow fam and that's why we're doing this podcast and that's why this is so special because of these human connections and it, you know, it, mm-hmm. again, we aren't trying to be cheesy or anything. It right. is family yeah. and it's, yeah. it's, we're all kind of bonded because of this story and, and there's something, mm-hmm. there's something special about that. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. Very special. Now I was tremendously honored that, um, you guys, you guys thought to bring me on and of course, yeah, no, we couldn't have done it without you. Uh, being a part of this thing. Um, like I said, it happened so fast and I was so green, but I, I couldn't have, I couldn't have been happier. To, to be a part of something that means so much to so many people. I can't think of a better way to end the episode, honestly. Like, it's we're true. literally at exactly the 30 minute mark because we started at 4.30, my time. You mm-hmm. just came out with this like wonderful speech about how thankful you are for everything. I was like, holy shit, that's fucking perfect. Let's just, that's how we end the show. That's great. <laughs> you guys are awesome. I'm going to be thinking about this all day and wondering if I was clumsy or rambly. No, it was perfect, man. It was you perfect. You are anything but. No, we are we are so grateful. Thank you. I love you guys. Thank you so much. Love you too, John. Return to the Shadows is hosted and executive produced by Catherine McNamara and Dominic Sherwood. Our executive producer is Ling Lee. Our senior producers are Liz Hayes and Diego Tapia. And our producers are Hannah Harris and Kristen Vermilia. Original music by Alex Kinsey and performed by Alex Kinsey and Catherine McNamara. The episode was mixed by Seth Olansky. Be sure to subscribe to Return to the Shadows wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave us a review. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at first first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. 
A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.